If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. The beginning of the year, we thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. We thought we would just do this in January, and you guys have loved it. And honestly, I have loved it so much too. So we keep interviewing people. We ask them how life has changed, what the year 2010 looked like for them, what they've learned over the last 10 years. Today's Your Last Decade guest is Rhett Barrett. Rhett and his beautiful wife, Jen, they live in Springdale, Arkansas, where he's a middle school teacher. Rhett has lived in Arkansas his whole life, and Rhett is no stranger to the happy hour because his awesome wife, Jen Jet Barrett, has been a guest several times on the show. We'll link that for you in the show notes. Rhett shares the story of his last decade, which included all of his 30s, and we even go back to talking about parts of his 20s when he was chasing after so many things that he now knows could not bring him contentment, joy, or happiness. I want you to listen close to this one, and you're going to hear a man who had great friends who continued to pursue him even in his running, and even a greater God who never left him, never abandoned him, and never let him completely destroy his life. God pursued him and loved him, and he did a lot of that through his community. I loved this conversation so much, and I know that you will as well. Before we get to the show, I want to tell you something super exciting. Tomorrow is the happy hour's sixth birthday. You guys, six years and over 350 podcast episodes. What a ride this has been. Also, this weekend is Mother's Day. So to celebrate happy hour and moms over on the blog, I've shared a few thoughts about moms and we're reaching way back into the archives to 2016, episode number 87, you guys. And it was all about celebrating motherhood. I invited these four girlfriends on the happy hour to celebrate women who are not the kind of moms that you might see on the billboards and greeting cards. These are real life women with unique but relatable stories and struggles. If you were around when episode 87 released, please re-listen. I know you're going to hear something new. And if this is your first time, get ready to be inspired. Happy Mother's Day to my mama and friends. Happy, happy hour birthday to all of you. Without you listening, this little podcast would not be possible. What is a birthday month without a birthday party? You guys, we're throwing a virtual birthday party on May 24th. Visit jamieivy.com slash celebrate to learn all about the party and to RSVP. You're not going to want to miss out on that party. I hope that you will join us for that party. Okay, here is my conversation with Rhett Barrett. Hey, Rhett, welcome to the Happy Hour Special Edition, Your Last Decade. I am so happy to chat with you today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, let me let our you know longtime listeners know that you're related to someone who's been on the show a handful of times, and so they need to know <laughs> this is the other half of Jen Jet Barrett. 
And so she is so dear to me and I adore Mm -hmm. her and she's been on the show and I've been to camp well, and I'm just, I'm a fan of your wife. And so me too, I know you are, I know you are. And I'm a fan of you guys together. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I just want to give everyone a context. You're the other half of Jen. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I am the other half and I agree. She's a, incredible, amazing woman. So it's an honor to be married to her. It is. It is so exciting. Okay. So this is your last decade, which is where we look about what did the last 10 years show us um, about ourselves, about God? Um, how did he persevere us? How did we just stumble through some of our years? And I told you mm-hmm. before, and I've said this to the listeners often is that I really, really do believe that we don't dwell on the past. We don't live in the past. Our past doesn't is not our identity by any means, but our past can show us a lot about what God does. It's almost like it can be a remembrance of what God's done for us. And I know that yeah. you have a lot of things to share with us. So mm-hmm. before we even talk about what God has done and shown you in the last 10 years, what did your life look like in 2010? Sure. Yeah. Well, I was 30 years old. So uh, do the math. I just turned 40 this year, but uh, I was 30 in 2010. I was teaching middle school in Arkansas And I was in the middle of kind of a long season of my life where I wasn't walking with the Lord. I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted to do. And I was dating a girl, thought I was going to marry her in 2010. Uh, We'd probably been dating, I don't know, six months to a year. Uh, So pretty seriously. But yeah, that was about it. Okay. You mentioned something about that you were not really walking with the Lord in that time in your life. But I do know that in high school and college, you were, would that be true of you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, grew up going to church all the time and in college was really involved in different ministries, campus crusade, and was planning to go to seminary actually in college or when I started college. And then by the end of it, I kind of lost my faith and, and had really, and then that kind of set me on a course of and what's interesting is that I lost my faith because of another broken dating relationship that I had been in. And uh, and so for over a decade from that point, I was I kept trying to find the Lord and like, but I never did. I just felt so distant from him. He felt so far away from me. And so then I just gave up and just kind of mm-hmm. stopped trying and did whatever I wanted to do. And And so, yeah, it was, it was hard because I remember like I would try to go to church every once in a while and I would just break down and start crying and leave uh, because I just, I couldn't connect to him. And that was really hard because it it had, I mean, my faith had been such a huge part of my life and then it was gone. It felt like it was gone Mm. and that lasted for over 10 years. I remember there was a stage in my life where I knew the right things. Like I knew all Mm -hmm. the right answers. I grew up in church. Mm -hmm. I knew the right answers. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't doing them. And I don't know if you can resonate with what I'm about to say, but I remember feeling like I didn't know how to go back to God. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I was so comfortable in living in my for myself and in my sin, even though it caused a lot of heartache and a lot of horrible things in my life, I didn't know how to go back to God. Did you struggle with that in your 20s? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything that I had done 
like that worked for me in high school and college just stopped working. So, Mm -hmm. so this, all these rules and all these things that I had made in my own life to find my, or to really kind of identify my relationship with the Lord as being, this is what you do. Those things were gone and I had no way of accessing him. And more importantly, I thought that I couldn't access him because of what I had done and all this, the, the choices I had made and how far away from him I was. I really felt like he had kind of written me off and that I couldn't access him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, to- I totally felt that way for sure. I think it's where that whole this whole idea of legalism, which in the church mm-hmm. would be this idea of like, I'm going to follow all of the rules and that mm-hmm. is going to equal God loving me. Mm-hmm. Well, then all of a sudden when you go through a season where you're not following the rules anymore, you mm-hmm. equate that with God doesn't love me. And mm-hmm. so then what can I yeah. do here? And I think it's this building a relationship on something that's never that can never withstand. And that that legalism right. of following all the rules, which we know mm-hmm. now, both you and I, because sure. we know that like Jesus is the only thing that we can stand on because he is the only one that could follow all the rules. But right. that carried you through your 20s <laughs> of you wrestling with your not even wrestling with your faith. But when I see you just kind of like, I'm not even I'm not even here for this. I'm just living you're living mm-hmm. for yourself. And then you're 30, you're a middle school uh, teacher mm-hmm. out of a relationship. What was, if you look back from 30 to 40, um, and how long have you and Jen been married? <laughs> we got married uh, in June of 2018. So okay, going on so two years. Almost two years. Yeah. So, you know, for those first handful of years in your 30s, I, I don't want to put any numbers on that you don't tell me, but what were some of the things that were the hardest moments in your life? your personal life, your faith life, your, I mean, mm-hmm. you're saying that things started changing around them. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So what's interesting is you talked about legalism and you talk about how, like we set up all these rules, but for me, what, what happened was I thought that if I did all the, the right things, that then God would give me what I wanted. Okay. And so part, part of the reason why I ran, started running from the Lord was because I didn't, that relation, uh, uh, this thing that I wanted the most was to be married. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's because I have two older sisters and like, I, I really think that I am, a, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of my sisters and my mom in me. And so I longed to be married. I wanted, yeah. it's funny. Cause like I, when Jen and I were dreaming about getting married, like I had more, ideas of what we should do for a wedding because I'd like I was the one that yeah dream, had been dreaming about it and not that she hadn't but like anyway I so I longed to be married and when that didn't happen for me I got mad and God felt, didn't keep his end of the deal up that's exactly right so I thought that okay if I do all these things for you then you'll give me what I want and that didn't happen and so then I started so I was like, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, then I'm not going to do what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's where I was in, in, when I was in my 30s is was just doing whatever I wanted to do because I felt like it didn't matter because I felt like, you know, the decade before I was doing all the right things and he didn't give me what I wanted. And so now why would I ever do the right things? So that set me on a cycle of being in a relationship and idolizing that relationship and finding like my identity in that relationship, finding joy, finding my hope, like everything that I wanted was in that relationship. And that 
became really unhealthy. And then those relationships would ultimately end and usually end badly. And then, then I would become depressed because I didn't get what I wanted. And that would last for, you know, eight to 12 months. And then I would meet somebody new yeah, and I'd start to feel better again and start to, again, like find my manhood and who I was. Oh, now I'm okay again because I'm in a relationship. And then that would eventually, you know, that last six months to a year or whatever. And then that would end and end badly. And then I would become depressed again. And it was the same cycle of me trying to find, yeah, of me trying to find my fulfillment, my hope, my identity in a relationship. And really in the one thing that I wanted most out of life and that I wasn't getting. And so I was going to make it work like for myself. I was going to do it. Yeah. And then every time I did it, it ended really badly. So that's where I was in my thirties was really struggling with depression because of the ending and then eventually getting into another relationship that ended badly. And yeah, yeah. Become, and, and each time, I think each time I became more and more codependent and then depressed. Mm. And so it, each time the cycle almost, it got worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what you're describing is common to a lot of people, whether it's this idolizing marriage or relationships, mm-hmm. you know, you look and you think we all have right. friends that we look and go, why are you always getting into a toxic relationship? You yes. Know? Or maybe someone's listening and they're like, this is me. I'm always right. in a toxic relationship. Right. They're, they're thinking no relationship has ever ended smoothly. They all yes. turn into disaster. And yeah. so I'm curious for you, looking back, now you're on the other side. You're following mm-hmm. Jesus. You're happily mm-hmm. married. Um, yeah. Life seems to, quote unquote, look better. And it is for sure. Knowing what you know now, what would you want to say? to that rat that was continuing the cycle over and over and over again, because yeah. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to sure. being stuck there. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because like, if you had my friends on this podcast, they would all they would tell be, you what they were all telling you the whole time. Yeah. And they, they would be <laughs> laughing right now because it'd be like, Oh my gosh, we told, we tried to tell you so many times, Yeah, but yeah, when I look back on that, I would say, that is one of the things that I think stands out to me is that if like one person, if like one person doesn't think you should be dating somebody, that's, that's okay. Okay. Whatever. But when almost all of your friends, your closest friends, your family are all questioning whether or not this is a healthy relationship for you, you should probably heed that advice because one, sometimes, you know, a couple of people are wrong, but, very rarely is everybody wrong. And so that's one of the things I think of first. The other thing I would tell myself would be, because this was, this was really hard to, um, to believe this, because when I looked at other men, the way I defined manhood was based on their relationship with women, whether they were married. So if they were married, then they, they had their man. Or if they were... Uh, a father and they had kids and they were married there. He was a man, or if he was dating a girl, like he was a man. But like, for me, like if I was single, then I felt like I wasn't manly. Hmm. And so I think it's interesting to kind of think about that because however you want to define manhood or womanhood for that hmm. matter, 
if you see other people and you define them that way and then you look at yourself and you don't have that, well, then that means then in your mind, you you think, well, then I'm not man enough yeah. or I'm not a woman. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back at that, I, I would never have been able to verbalize that that's right. what I was doing. But in mm-hmm. reality, I really was. I thought that in order for me to be a man, I needed to have a woman. Mm-hmm. And that was such a lie. And And the thing, too, that I look back on with so much regret and wish I would have told or could have told myself was, Hey, you're, you are waste. You are wasting years of your life in relationships mm-hmm. that are really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that Jen and I talk about a lot. And one of the things that, that we hope to share with so many, the young people that we minister to is because I think, I think there's a lie There's lots of lies, but there's a lie that people say, accidentally say this. And coming from a broken home, right? So my parents are divorced. Jen's parents are divorced. Coming from a broken home, you see and hear all the time that marriage is hard. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard. And that is partially true. There are times when marriage is hard. There are seasons, there are moments, there are difficulties, but What happens is someone like me takes that and says, okay, well, since marriage can be hard and my dating relationship is extremely hard, well, then this must mean that this is a good relationship because if marriage is hard, then dating relationships are supposed to be hard too. And so I should stay in this because I don't want to quit. Like being from a divorced family, that that was my biggest fear Mm -hmm. is that I would be I would become my parents. Mm-hmm. And what, what's crazy is that like when I look back at those relationships, I became my parents in those relationships and it was awful. And I was so sick about it that I tried desperately. I went to, I went to so many counselors with these uh, like multiple girls uh-huh. trying to figure out how to make our dating relationship work. Mm-hmm. Because, that should be like a red flag, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> right? But I, because I was so afraid of it failing and I didn't yeah. want to be defined by that. I wanted to overcome it. I wanted to fight for it. Like all these good things that in the right relationship, mm-hmm. like God honors and blesses. Yeah. But just like anything that we pervert, like the enemy takes good things and perverts them. And so like yeah. here I was, I had this really you know, good desire to make marriage like work and make a, have a healthy marriage. And then I, so I put that into these horrible dating relationships. I put in all this energy, all this effort to make something that was never going to work, work. I try to make it work. And I remember Mm -hmm. my dad, my dad told me, I still have it. He wrote this down and he said, he said, when something is wrong, something is never better than nothing. Say it again for us. I know. I know. When something is wrong, something is never better than nothing. And I think that is where I was too, was that, well, I I can't, I can't let go of this relationship because then I'll have nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I'll have nothing. Yeah. And God was like, if you would just let go of this 
thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, I promise nothing is, is better, better than this toxic relationship. Oh my God. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. like we, you, but again, it goes back to how I defined who I was that, yeah. Because yeah. when I look around, I was like, well, I have to have this mm-hmm. in order to be the, a man. And if I don't, so I'm going to hang on to it with everything I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so unhealthy. And in the end, was really hurtful to me, to the girls that I dated, to my mm-hmm. friends, to yeah. my family. Like it affected my entire mid 20s to mm-hmm. mid 30s were yeah were drastically impacted and looking back, like that's my biggest regret is all the time that I wasted when I could have been a better brother, a better son, a better teacher, uh, a better man, a better friend. And I was just consumed with this one thing that I thought that would make me happy. Yeah. I think what you're saying is like, I think ever, you know, I'm thinking of, I could fill in the blank with stuff and people are listening, could fill in the blank with stuff, whether that is this, like you said, something good, you wanted to be married. Like you wanted to make marriage work. You, you, there was probably something inside of you that was like, my parents couldn't make it work. I will make it work. And then we can take that and it almost becomes an idol and we'll do anything to keep an idol happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we'll feed it whatever it wants and it will always end up killing us. And so, you know, I giggle a little bit with you when you said, if my friends were here, they would say these things. And so my obvious question is, I think Mm -hmm. that you have great friends if they were with you and telling you these things. First of all, you have great friends. But second of all, something had to have happened in your life that your friends couldn't convince you of. There had to have been Mm -hmm. some kind of change in a relationship with you and the Lord. So what did that look like for you? You know, it's interesting. I I look back and I honestly like it. It was so um subtle the changes that happened it took years for me to see it but the biggest change that happened for me was that <laughs> part of this problem is i've i was in my mid 30s right and i was still had like i never lived by myself so what was happening was every year or two the guy i was living with would get married inevitably he it was like what good luck, Chuck? Except I was like the roommate guy. So if you lived with me, you were gonna get married. You were gonna get married in the next year, <laughs> and so I just kept moving and going and li- finding different roommates, living with different dudes, whatever. My last roommate, who ended up getting married by the way, I moved into his house because my other roommate was getting married, and now I was in this relationship that was going like this was the one. This was the one, even though it was a disaster. This was the one. And I was like, I'm just going to live here for a few months. No big deal. And I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was just going to be he and he and I living together. Well, next thing I know, his mom moved in, his brother moved in, this other guy moved in. And like, all of a sudden, like, and then the girl that I was dating and was planning on getting married to, we broke up. It was awful. I had just bought her this puppy. And she gave me the puppy back. Oh. And her, like, she had a son and, like, her son was crying, like, why are you taking my dog? And I was like, oh, my God. It was, it was awful. This was the lowest, one of the lowest points of my life. And so I'm, like, in this house with all these people and this dog that I don't want anymore. And just really, like, what am I doing here? But what happened was that my roommate at the time, his name was Mike. 
uh, and Mike was uh, leading this s- small group in this church, this startup church, by the way. And I was like, "Who? We don't need any more churches in Arkansas. We've got <laughs> we lead the nation in churches. Y'all we don't need any more churches in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, yeah." And so he was leading this small group at his house and I would come in and I knew several of the people and he was like, why don't you, why don't you stick around? I was like, no, I'm not. I don't want to do this. And I would like walk upstairs and sit in my room. And this happened for weeks, maybe even a couple months went by and I would just sit up there and they would meet downstairs. And I was like, I don't need any new friends. I don't need yeah, I don't want to make new friends. Like, this is dumb. I'm not going to go. To, I'm not going to be a part of another small group, community, whatever. And I don't remember why, but finally I was like, okay, God, fine. I'll go downstairs and sit here. And God used those people, the people that I thought would never help me and weren't fun or cool or whatever I was wanting at that time. He used them in powerful ways to change me. And ultimately what happened was, you know, we would meet and then me and Mike and Chris and Jason would go into Mike's office and we would just minister to each other. We would speak truth. And like, that was the first time that, well, I mean, not the first time, but the most powerful time in my life where men were speaking into me about what was really true. Mm. Uh, And Mike was so faithful to just keep pounding the same nail over and over again. And what he kept saying was, Rhett, God is going to use your story. He's going to use your story someday. And I was like, no, he's not. Mike, that's so stupid. He's not going to use my story because my story sucks. It's stupid. Like, I don't, it's not going to use it. Um, But he kept hammering that nail over and over again. And so then, I started getting plugged in at that church, which is where Jen and I go now. And God has just used community to help to restore the joy of my salvation. And what I think about is the same thing every time, right? The enemy wants to isolate us, wants to get us by ourselves. And that's what kept happening because I kept getting into these relationships and I would stop hanging out with my friends stop hanging out with my family. I would just be fixated on this girl and I would get out of community every time. And it, it was, I mean, so that was the biggest change for me. Looking back is the community that I was part of that, that God used to restore my faith, to give me hope again, to help me to, to see that there was life. There was life. There was abundant life outside of a dating relationship. And that's, the biggest change that I could see. I love that as you talk about the community, I feel like you got a little teary-eyed because Mm -hmm. I could tell how much that meant to you. And as someone who has walked, you know, not with the Lord and Mm -hmm. done things that I wish I wouldn't have done in my life, when you have people that will look at you and say, you're accepted here just as you are. Can you talk with me a little bit about what has it been like for you to come into church, come into community with like your full self. I'm not naive to think that it's not difficult. It's still difficult for me to share things sometimes, but I do believe, I think God changes the world through stories. I think he opens people's eyes to the gospel through other people's stories. I think that when we are, when we are willing to let people into some of our 
darkest days that we get to point them mm-hmm. to Jesus in a unique way. And so what does it look like for you to mm-hmm. point to Jesus um, and mm-hmm. use your story, just like Mike encouraged you that God would do? Right. Well, it's because Mike did the same thing. Like Mike had the, he and I had the same story. He was just a couple of years ahead of me. I love it. So um, he saw what in, he saw in you, what God had done in him. Absolutely. And he kept, he was like, Rhett, I've been right where you are. I know exactly what you're thinking. I know that uh, this is, this is what your next steps are going to be. So for me, like it has been such a blessing and an honor because I have gotten to stand up in front of our church and share this story in a sense of the, you know, the, the one of the most difficult days in my life and, and share this story in front of the church and talk about how God like I thought that he was, I thought he was absent. I thought he'd given up on me. I thought he was done with me. I thought I was beyond. And then I wasn't. And then to be able to, Jen and I, you know, lead a small group with young men and women, they call them young professionals, whatever, Yale pros. And I have gotten to speak in truth into these young men and women, but mostly the men to say like, hey, here's, here's what's true. And I know that because I've lived that. And what was interesting is, you know, my college college rep didn't know that because college rep had only been a really good Christian. Like that was it. So I would tell people like, hey, you shouldn't do that because you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. But now I can look at people and go, hey, you know what? Like that's not what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Like God is wanting you to do this because He's trying to protect you. He's trying to give you an abundant life. He's trying to give you something better. And you keep messing with whatever. Like So it's been really fun. And I think like looking at our community, like it has been like the more I talk about it, the more I want to talk about it. And so the more that I share, the more open I am. Like those then other people open up and they talk about it but they share their, their stories. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that, that God uses our stories and that's why, I mean, the whole Bible is full of stories of, yeah. of God, of people of God and God's faithfulness to them in spite mm-hmm. of themselves. Yeah. And so it's been fun and a blessing to do that for other people. You guys in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Yeah, I have to ask this because I don't want to leave a listener wondering what I'm about to ask you. You talk a lot about this idolizing marriage and wanting to be married. And and you can look back even to your early 20s and see that when God didn't come through on his end of the deal with providing you that marriage when you thought it was going to happen. yeah, And then it led to a lot of destruction in your life. And Mm -hmm. now you're happily married. It's like you Mm -hmm. have what you've always wanted. I want you to clean up the middle piece there real quick Mm -hmm. and talk about you have now what you've always wanted. And so someone could easily go, well, it must be easy for him because he's married now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you learned even about Mm. idolizing marriage, even before you were given your marriage to Jen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you asking that because I think that what people might not know is that God redeemed and restored my faith years before I met Jen. So I met Jen in 2017 and in 2014 was the beginning of like, cause January, 2014, like January, New Year's day, January, 2014 was the worst day of my life. And from that moment on, God started to change me. And that's when I started getting plugged in with community. So then there was this moment in, I would probably say 2015, like two years before I even met Jim, even <laughs> knew who she was. I, I was like, you know what? I think I might be single the rest of my life. I think this might be it because I don't want to go through <laughs> what I just went through again. I, I don't want to do that again. So if this is the rest of my life. And what do I want my life to look like? And so I was like, well, I need to, I'm 35. I should probably stop living with a bunch of dudes to save money on rent. So I was like, I'm going to be a boy or whatever and like live by myself. And so I found a house and, and then I was like, well, and I want to lead a ministry. Like I want to be a part of our church and lead the small group. So, um, so I started leading the small group, started having community in my house, mm-hmm. just like Mike, just like Mike did. And mm-hmm. so we would do the same thing. And I, I did everything the way that we had done it at Mike's house and God used it. I mean, we would cook food and do a small group and then break out and to men and women and have accountability time or share and pray and whatever. And so that was a really sweet time for me because for a solid two years, I didn't really date anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, this is the best two years of my 35 years of my life because yeah. I was finally free. I finally was like, you know what? I don't have to date anybody to be a man. Mm. 
I don't have to be married to be a man. And I, I was invested in these young men. I was leading this, these junior high, high school boys, small group and like speaking into their lives and trying to help them avoid the, the, yeah. the struggles that I had walked through. Yeah. It's as if and, you became content in the identity that God had given you and you didn't need to add right. anything to it. That's right. And I went yeah. back to school. I went back to school. I got another degree because I thought, well, maybe someday I might want to be a principal. I don't know. And went just started to figure out, like I said, like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? Yeah. And God made it clear, like, here's some things that this is who you are. This is the kind of person you are, yeah. whether you're married or not. And like, that's the beautiful thing, right? That my life really, I mean, is incredible and awesome because I married Jen, but ultimately my life really hasn't changed because yeah. I'm still doing the same ministry. I'm still going to the same church. I'm still working at the same job. I still live in the same house. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm still in contact with some of like, well, those, some of those boys that I was ministering to then yeah. now. And like, he's actually this buddy, this young man is in a toxic relationship and in and out of this relationship. And I'm like, Hey bro, listen, listen, listen to me. <laughs> Listen, Linda, I, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're walking through. Like, I promise you, like, mm -hmm. there's hope if you, you, but you've got to get out of this cycle that you're in. You've got to yeah. stop. You've got to break this cycle. So, so yeah, I, it's interesting because one of the things that, you know, Jen gets the same comments too, right? Because we, we talk about that God redeemed and restored us, mm -hmm. but what Jen clarifies and what I would want to clarify too is that God redeemed and restored us at the cross. Mm -hmm. Like that's where it happened. And so even though like in some respects, like Jen and I both coming into marriage, I, we both doubted whether or not we would be a good spouse. Like mm -hmm. she doubted, she doubted if she would be a good wife. And I doubted if I would be a good husband based on our past. Yeah. Right. And so that's what God restored mm -hmm. and redeemed. He didn't restore and redeem like me because he did that at the cross. But mm -hmm. what he did was he restored and redeemed our past. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the brokenness of my parents' divorce, her parents' divorce, the struggles in dating and relationships that both of us had. Like, like he restored and redeemed that part of our lives. Like that's what that was. But the everything else, I mean, he he had already done all of that. Mm. And so I think that that's something that's really beautiful, too. That, And he did that for both of us, right? So that when Jen and I met, I remember we were, we were in Puritan. We met and like there weren't there wasn't like fireworks or anything like that. But I was like, I really like who this person is because she was exactly who she was. Yeah. And I was exactly who I was. And we weren't playing any games. We weren't. We, we were both almost 40 and we were content with who God made us to be. And we were living out the call that he put on our lives. Both of us were doing that. And it was so attractive, right? Matt Chandler yeah. says that godliness is sexy. And I remember looking at her going, man, I really like who she is. And she's pretty sexy because... Like she's doing yep. exactly what God created her and wired her for yeah. and designed her for. So, and so was I. And so both of us were like, 
hey, like I'm really attracted to that person because of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, I love that you, that, that you help us understand like what was going on in that time. And I think one of the most beautiful things is that you, I mean, I appreciate that you talk about it being a subtle change. God most definitely does overnight change in people's lives. Hands down. We see it in scripture. We see people's stories hundred percent, but there are a lot of us that it looks really subtle. And I think that that is a good thing for us to remember Mm. is also when we're walking alongside of friends who are going through change is that it could be hard and it could be subtle. And I'm sure that some of your friends wanted to just like bang your head up against the wall all the time because they would look (laughs) at you and think, are we doing this again? Are we really doing this again? Yes. But I'm thankful for God's continual pursuit of us. And let Mm. me tell you, uh, Rhett, just I uh, just to brag on you and your woman for a bit. I love watching the way God is using you, and if it is not a walking example of how God uses our stories for the world and for the kingdom, then mm-hmm. we don't have a better example because you guys are both embracing your stories and you're both embracing the way that God is changing your life. You know, when you're right. 35 and when you're 40 and what he's doing in your world, you're both right. talking through that. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I am a cheerleader for the Barretts. I am, I, I'm, I'm a <laughs> fan you. here in Austin, Texas. So love, love what you're doing. Love your, love your wife to death. And mm-hmm. so thanks for coming on and being willing to talk about the hard stuff because I know that it's going to be, it's going to be an encouragement to somebody today Mm. uh, that's listening and just knowing that they feel a couple of things as they're on the other side and they feel like that their story doesn't matter and it's too Mm. much and it's not important. And you have just blown that out of the water. And then for Mm. the person who is listening and is just like, God, I cannot do enough to please you. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I keep screwing up. Um, Your story brings us hope that God is, we're not too far gone from him. Amen. Amen. Not too far gone from him. Rhett, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. This has been so fun. I really appreciate it. I do have to ask you one question before we go. You're a teacher. It's worse yes, self-quarantine. How's it going connecting <laughs> with your students? <laughs> well, uh, Jamie, I had a Zoom call yesterday, uh, and I had one kid show up. <laughs> so could be better. Could be better. No, it. It's been interesting. A lot of our kids are doing stuff online, like doing their work online through Google Classroom and whatnot. That's uh, what we're doing, yeah. But a bunch of our kids are also doing their work on paper, so they have multiple options. Our district has done a great job of yeah. providing opportunities and options for, for kids with different means and whether or not they have computer or internet access. Yeah. Or, uh, so uh, I, it's been really nice, though, for me, because there's zero discipline problems. Oh, uh, don't you love that? All of us parents right. are dealing with the discipline exactly. problems. Exactly, yeah. Like, Wait, y'all just have them eight <laughs> hours a day. What's happening? Well, on behalf of uh, all the parents, we are thankful for teachers so much. Um, and well, my kids' you. district, I think they're doing like a pass-fail but I won't tell my kids that because I still want them to do the work. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because one of my kids is like, mom, I heard a rumor. It's like a pass fail for this six weeks. And I was like, ah, it's probably not true. Mm-hmm. Go do your work, you know, like keep going. But we're thankful for teachers mm-hmm. and all the work they're doing on the outside. Rhett, yeah. your Thank story you. is you. a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I'm thankful Amen. for that. And um, tell your wife Amen. I said hi. I will. Thank you so much, Jamie. We love you. And thank you for this opportunity. So. You're so welcome. Okay. Bye, Rhett. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. I told you that you would love it. What a fabulous story of God renewing something that Rhett had idolized for so long. He wanted to be married for as long as he could remember, so much so that it became an idol. 
He sacrificed a lot of his years thinking that this would satisfy him. And God redeemed that into something so beautiful today with his marriage with his wife, Jen. I told you before that Jen's been on the show before, but I want to highly recommend you go listen to her episode that she did in 2018. We had a mini series that we released called If You Only Knew. Well, Jen was a guest on that where she talks about the stigma that divorce has in the church. It is so very good. You can find the link to that over in our show notes as well. Remember when Rhett's dad said, when something is wrong, something is never better than nothing. I love so much how Rhett's dad spoke that over him all those years ago. I do want to tell you this. Rhett did send me a message and he was like, make sure everyone knows how awesome marriage is. You know, we could have talked for hours, Rhett and I, and one of the things that he struggled with was wanting to make marriage right because he has always heard marriage is so hard. Marriage is so hard. And if you've been around the happy hour long enough, you know that I am a big fan of marriage. I am thankful for it. It's a blessing in my life from God. And I say too, marriage can be hard. Marriage also can be one of the most beautiful things in your life. And it should be because God created it to be beautiful between a man and a woman. If you are married, I hope that you are experiencing that. Thank you for listening to the special edition of the happy hour, your last decade. Our hope in all of these special edition shows is that you can reflect back on your last decade or like we did today, your last two decades. I hope that you can see how far God has brought you. I hope you can see his faithfulness and his kindness and how he has persevered you. I also hope it helps you look forward. What do you want to do with the next 10 years of your life? Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, if you love this show, we'd love it if you shared it. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast, and we thank you for that. Also, happy birthday, happy hour. I am so thankful for this show. 